tell you every week about my friends at Steel, S-T-I-H-L. SteelDealers.com is where you will find more than 9,000 dealers around the country, and there's one in your neck of the woods, guaranteed. Your backyard, as uh, they like to say, should be an oasis, not a challenge. And your local steel dealer has the gas, electric, and battery-powered tools that will get the job done. Steel has marvelous products. They are a leader when it comes to chainsaws, trimmers, blowers. As I've always told you, I have uh, one of each. I have handheld uh, equipment as well made by steel. They're just outstanding. They last a long time. The battery almost never needs to get recharged. It's really uh, amazing how much work you can get done with your steel products. So find uh, the dealer near you at steeldealers.com. Again, it's S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. Start my day every day with Boyer's Coffee, and I suggest you do the same. Boyer'sCoffee.com is where you can find some of the best coffee on the market, locally brewed, environmentally conscious, and they've been a Colorado company since 1965. And they have some... uh, Great deals coming up. St. Patty's Day sale, in fact, on March 17th. They're going to have all kinds of uh, great drinks uh, for sale. Their spring sale is on March 20th, 15% off all bagged coffee. And you can find out all of the details at BoyersCoffee.com. In fact, they also have a special with the Rocky season getting going. And they're a proud coffee partner of the Colorado Rockies and have been for a number of years. Boyer's Coffee lovers can enter for a chance to win a Rockies prize pack at boyerscoffee.com slash Rockies. No purchases necessary. You have to be 18 years old and live in Colorado, but go check that out as well. Love their coffee. So many great products. Just had a delivery to the house a few days ago. Boyerscoffee.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, one of Drew's TV partners, Jenny Kavnar. You know, seeing Melissa Stark on national television as the sideline reporter for Monday Night Football, probably 1999, I remember being like, God, I think that's what I want to do. And thank God he was just as naive as I was. And he's like, yeah, you could do that. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a comment. It helps other people find the show. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to show number 86 podcast number 86 glad as always that you're along with us i'm drew goodman i will be hosting this show which uh, i guess you'd expect since it has my name uh, up top we have jenny kavnar longtime partner of mine uh, a colorado native and uh, jenny is uh, a pioneer of sorts and in broadcasting, she's done such a, a marvelous job with us and is doing so many other things now. And Jenny will be uh, jumping on uh, in a little bit as our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. But the weather outside has been gorgeous. In fact, the last couple of days as uh, I taped this, it's been in the low 60s. I came back from St. Louis uh, a few days ago watching college baseball, watching my son play. Get to uh, a little bit more on that uh, in a few moments This is the time of year where you start getting excited if you're a baseball fan because spring is right around the corner. And I know we have really been up against it with COVID, et cetera, but we're starting to, we're starting to see the light, I believe, at the end of the tunnel. We learned uh, that the Rockies are going to be able to have uh, 12-5 in the house on opening day, and uh, at least initially, and hopefully that number in the not-too-distant future will grow. 
uh, as well. So people can come out and uh, enjoy Coors Field and watch baseball, and uh, we'll see what happens from that point uh, forward. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day when J.J. Watt left Houston. He asked for his release, and he was granted his release, and uh, a number of teams, obviously, in the NFL uh, flirted with him, and he surprised, I think, a lot of people who said, oh, he's going to go back to, to Green Bay, or maybe he's going to sign with Buffalo. That was a name that was prominently uh, mentioned. And he signed with Arizona, and he hooks up with Kyler Murray. He hooks up with Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the ball, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the great wideout, his former teammate uh, down in Houston. But it got me thinking about cities and their sports teams, and we know that uh, so often cities' identity and the success of their teams are intertwined. And when things don't go well or when a favorite player moves along like a J.J. Watt in Houston or a James Harden in Houston or a Nolan Arenado in Denver, Colorado, we take an apocalyptic view. And I get it, man. It's understandable. I mean, the importance of our sports teams probably is over the top at times, to be frank. And the importance of athletes who perform admirably for those sports teams, do we elevate them to a stature that they probably, quite frankly, would be uncomfortable having? And we and we make, you know, people who put their pants on just like you and me uh, give them mythical stature. We do. And probably if we could wind that back a little bit, it would be a healthier environment for fans and for players alike. But but cities and their sports teams, it's like trendy. I mean, Houston was atop things a, a couple of years ago. I mean, the Astros were winning 100 plus games. They're still going to uh, have a great team. Uh, you know, pushing aside the the cheating scandal, great talent, and they won a World Series. The Houston Rockets, when they had Harden and Westbrook there, and of course both of those guys are gone, they were an elite team uh, in the NBA. The Houston Texans were pretty sexy when they had J.J. Watt, Deshaun Watson, who now wants out, the aforementioned DeAndre Hopkins. Look at Washington, the Nationals, a couple years ago. They win... Uh, the World Series, basically in the same year that the Caps won the Stanley Cup. We've seen it here in Denver. I think back to 95, third year of existence for the Rockies. They go to the postseason. It's when Rocktober uh, first was born. And you know what else was born? A Stanley Cup championship. The Quebec Nordiques moved to Colorado. And I don't think any fans realized, unless you were a hardcore NHL fan living in the Rockies, how talented a roster they brought with them from Quebec, and they, and they won the Stanley Cup. And that was the first major championship, professional championship, in this region. And it was quickly followed by back-to-back Super Bowl championships for the Denver Broncos. And then, you know, a couple years later, uh, another Stanley Cup would reside in Colorado when the Avalanche uh, won yet again. And I don't know what will transpire going forward, specifically with the Rockies. We spend a lot of time on this podcast naturally talking about the Rockies. But I look at sports as the last bastion of true reality television. 
you don't know what's going to take place. Even with some of these quote unquote reality shows, there's probably a script they're following and, and you know what, we need such and such to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. And I go back and I think when Holiday left town and that was miserable for, you know, everybody who follows the Rockies and then Carlos Gonzalez, I don't want to say he made everybody forget about Matt Holiday, uh, but he became a great player. And Trevor Story, when Tulowitzki was traded to Toronto, became a great player. We will see who is next. And that will be part of the fun, uh, despite how painful this has been for so many with the departure of Nolan Arenado. But it just got me thinking, you know, about sports towns and how these things uh, work out. Because right now, if you're in Houston and they were on top of seemingly everything a couple of years ago, they are pissed off. They are angry. J.J. Watt, who is as popular as any athlete. I, I know a lot of people in Houston who is as popular as any athlete they've had down there ever. And he's gone. James Harden, gone. So Rockies fans, Denver sports fans, because it's been a tough road for the Broncos the last few years, there will be a brighter day even when it doesn't feel like it. And there are very, very, very few teams that just stay on top year in and year out. Even the Dodgers, who's, you know, this decade they've been great. And you go back to the Giants having, you know, they had some 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 lean years in between, but they won three World Series over the last uh, 10, 11 years. But that's unusual. I mean, it's it's usually a situation where teams are decent and then teams struggle and then teams have a nice little bit of a run. The Dodgers just captured a World Series for the first time since 1988. So I'm going to choose to be optimistic, yeah, even though the Rockies clearly have a lot of work to do. We'll see uh, where this season takes us as it'll be a big opportunity for a number of players. And we talk uh, to Jenny about uh, that topic and and many others uh, as we move forward. We've attacked so many of the big questions with the Rockies over the last uh, month. First, it was a psychological one, getting past this trade, how devastating it was uh, losing Nolan Arenado. And now the next big question the elephant in the room is what will happen with Trevor Story, who will be a free agent at the conclusion of the 21 season. It seems clear to me that the Rockies, over the next few months, I think they have till the trade deadline, the end of July, to determine two things. One, do they want Trevor to be the centerpiece or one of the centerpieces of the next wave of for Colorado, the next opportunity to win big. And to do that, they clearly are going to have to offer, you know, quite a bit of money to prevent him from going to free agency. I don't know if that is doable. I'm not saying financially. I don't know if Trevor has made up his mind, says, you know what, Uh, I'm not ruling out the Rockies, but I want to see what is out there and and what kind of offers uh, come my way. But if that is his feeling, You have to determine that before the end of July of this year because it would be a tough pill to swallow if he chooses free agency and all you get is a supplemental number one pick in next spring's amateur draft. So if you have to move him, you have to make that determination over the next few months and then you get back uh, as much as you can to continue uh, a rebuild. Uh, of sorts. 
You know, there, there's all kinds of rebuilds. Are you are you completely stripped down? I don't think you're completely stripped down because the Rockies have a, a very good rotation. They have some young players that are very uh, intriguing. Uh, but you, you have to make that determination without question over the next few months. And that is the number one, I would think, priority for the organization through the first half of 2021. Time for our Boyers What's Hot segment. Let me tell you what's hot. College baseball is hot. They're playing real games. There's real competition. There's even some fans uh, in the stands. Uh, I got to watch some college baseball last weekend. Uh, My son uh, catches for Webster University at the D3 level. They were preseason number one in the country. I also uh, felt the anguish of being a sport parent or, or even being a fan of your favorite player when your favorite player gets hurt. And my, uh, my son is my favorite player. And uh, unfortunately, Zach on a double sliding into second base on a wet uh, turf at their stadium uh, broke his ankle. So he's going to be out uh, for about six, seven weeks or so. And uh, I wish him all the best and wish Webster all the best. But uh, you know what's hot? As I said, college baseball. I was watching uh, Arkansas play the other day. Uh, I have a kid that played uh, – with uh, one of my boys, my oldest, Jacob, uh, Casey Opitz, starting catcher there. He's off to a great start. Ar- Arkansas is number one in the country. I was flipping around. I watched Texas A&M playing Houston Baptist the other day. I love college baseball. I love the enthusiasm. Um, it, it's kind of like college basketball because you're not playing the volume of games that we see uh, in the NBA or Major League Baseball. So those kids, I mean, it's 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 about the joy of playing for their school, of playing for each other, and uh, you know, trying to win a national championship or trying to win a conference tournament, or just the camaraderie that exists on college rosters. I absolutely love it, and I've been thrilled to flick around uh, the TV and see so many teams now uh, through late February and the beginning of March playing. Uh, the sport that we all love. So you know what's hot? Our Boyer's Coffee, what's hot? College baseball is hot. And with that, we segue to our interview of the week. Uh, One of my favorite people in the business and uh, um, pleased to call her not only a colleague, but a good friend. And um, she's done uh, marvelous things in her career. And she's a Colorado native. Our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week, Jenny Kavanaugh. Jenny, the most important question right now is that Vin is going to be a big brother and very, 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 that's three varies soon. How are you feeling? Yes, thanks. I'm feeling great. Um, I know it was kind of funny. We found out that we were pregnant during the shortened MLB season of 2020. So I didn't even really get to tell you till I think after the season because I wasn't even 12 weeks yet. So I really didn't tell many people. And then all of a sudden, I've had this whole pregnancy during the off season, and we're going to start baseball April 1st, and I'm going to have a baby, like, within the first couple weeks of the season. So it's very opposite of my pregnancy with Vin, where everyone got to watch all summer long. <laughs> I just grew and grew and grew, right? <laughs> so. If I may, because I've never played a doctor even on television, but if I may, please, 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 Make sure as you get close that Sully is not going to be de facto the person that has to be a midwife on the set. Okay. I mean, I think we might cut it that close because I want to get through the first homestand at least. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, you could always run down. You're you're pretty fast, so you could get from the booth to the set and help out. You've had three kids. I'm sure I'm sure it'd be fine, Drew. Yeah, Jenny, listen, uh, of the long, long list of things people don't want me involved in, that would probably be at the very top. <laughs> I I wasn't gonna say it. I was yeah. trying to be kind, but I don't want you there. So let's right. let's just leave it to the professionals at the hospital and Yeah, I'll do this much. I will call there will be EMTs there and I will definitely Call some EMTs to your aid. <laughs> You're always so helpful. Thank you, Drew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you, listen, how far down the list is Steve from having to deliver the baby either? I'm sure he's not at the top of the list, your husband. <laughs> I mean, I think you want your spouse in the delivery room. I'm not sure you want them being the only one to deliver the baby, though. So we did have our neighbors recently tell us a story about having their baby at their house and having to call the fire department. And it just it scared me enough to know that. Um, we should start looking for some signs when we get close to that 40-week mark. Right. You know, one of the sweetest things that I remember with my three boys is, it, well, it was certainly after having Jacob and then when Zach was due and ultimately Gabe, is, you know, their their excitement and their, you know, understanding, and sometimes it was limited, as to what was going on. So it's got to be neat for you guys to watch Vin, who's, you know, he's he's a little boy. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, he's three and a half and, you know, he's going to preschool and he sees like the other kids at preschool have older siblings or even, you know, younger siblings and babies when their parents come to pick them up. So he's definitely making the connection that we're, our lives are changing and he loves to talk about baby sis coming along and he um, has even named her Stevie, because there's so many Steves in our family between my husband and my dad and my father-in-law. So that was the name he came up with for her. We'll see if it sticks. Um, but it's it's been cool to watch him talk about it. I think when it actually happens, I'm a little anxious um, just to see what he thinks, right? There's going to be someone who needs mom and dad's attention in the house just as much as he needs our attention. So um, that'll be interesting, but I think he'll be a great big brother and, um, it is, it's been, it's been really fun to, to take that journey with him. Well, again, um, another official, uh, congratulations. Look, Thank look. you. How, you know, the interesting part, Drew, is I wonder what the over under on you saying Jenny is with child will be this year since you only have about a week to do it on air. Yeah, I did that a bunch, didn't I, uh, when when you were with, with Vin? You know, there's funny terms that we fall into. So I was using that a lot. Jenny is with child. And you just used one that I think is very egalitarian, but quite frankly, um, not necessary, really, because we don't do a whole lot. In other words, you said earlier that, uh, you know, we found out, and I remember you calling me that, we, you know, we are pregnant. Um, the last time I checked, Steve is not pregnant. Technically, you're the only one who's pregnant, and you're going to do all the work. It's kind of funny. It's, it happens that way in the game of baseball, too, right? When you talk to a lot of baseball families, like baseball wives, a lot of them will say we, because it's a journey that you need that emotional support, right? Like, you might not be the one playing baseball as the wife, but, like, you hear all about it, and you have to talk your husband on and off the ledge all season long, Right. So I guess I get it in that statement. But, yeah, he, trust me, I'm doing all the work here, okay? <laughs> the second pregnancy, when you're a little older, is not as easy as the first one. But we're making yeah. it. We're surviving. Yeah, there, there, there ain't no doubt about that. You are doing all the work. 
I got to ask you, first of all, this is um, we're, we're celebrating uh, celebrating women in sports uh, this month. And, and you are as prominent as anybody from a, a broadcast standpoint uh, around the country. Did you always want to get into sports television? I know you grew up in a sports family. I think many people know that your, your dad was a long time and extremely successful baseball coach and he played college baseball. And um, I, I know your mom, she seems like she was very athletic. Was, was this always a, a dream of yours? Yeah, I think it was, Drew. I mean, you know, when you grow up around sports and you fall in love with them, I think your natural tendency is to wonder as you get older, you know, is there a job in that? Can I do a job in that? And I think, um, you know, for being honest, I think for a lot more males growing up, they had the opportunity to say, like, I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to play in the NFL or whatever, even if it was a pipe dream for them. Um, So I think for me, it came in the form of, like, how can I work in sports? and just stay around the game, you know, having grown up, as you mentioned, um, at a high school baseball field and being around my dad. But really, my love of sports probably came a lot more from my dad's mom. My grandma was an avid sports fan. She's one of nine from the state of Kentucky. And you've had the great pleasure of meeting some of my aunts that live in Kentucky. They're huge Kentucky basketball fans. Um, big Cincinnati Reds fans. And I think just visiting them in the summers when we did and and watching that female influence in my life of rooting for sports and how passionate they were about them, that definitely, um, you know, seeped in my blood a little bit. And so I think everything kind of culminated when I was in high school looking at colleges, like, am I going to play a sport? Am I good enough to play a sport in college? Is that a path I can continue on? And it kind of ended up that club lacrosse was, was a better opportunity for me so I could kind of pursue this career in sports, whatever it might be. And I think marketing was kind of an idea back then. Whatever sports marketing was, that just kind of sounded like a good fit. And I'll, I'll be real honest, I think the biggest influence in everything that really got me on the sports journalism path was Marcia Neville. I mean, long-time great broadcaster in Colorado, mostly in the prep sports scene. And she was really the first person that I saw doing a job that I was like, wow, that'd be so much fun. And obviously, you know, she looked like me. We often talk about representation. And so it was a natural fit. And I remember being at a game, a big, big high school baseball. It was probably a Cherry Creek Smoky Hill game, in all honesty. And I remember, like, I always waited by the gate towards the later innings. I would just get so nervous. I would walk around. And I remember Smoky Hill winning and Marsha, like, running out onto the field. And I was like, she gets to go on the field first? Like, this is awesome. She has a microphone in hand. She gets to talk to the winners. So that was really kind of the first time. And then, you know, seeing Melissa Stark on national television as the sideline reporter for Monday Night Football, it was probably 1999. Um, my dad and I used to watch Monday Night Football quite regularly. And I remember being like, Dad, I think that's what I want to do. And thank God he was just as naive as I was. And he's like, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> we had no idea how competitive the field would be or anything like that. But I think it took those just initial believers. Um, you know, both of my parents are very supportive. And if that's what you want to do, like figure out the best way. And once I got to Colorado State, um, had some great opportunities doing radio um, with Brian Ross, who's the longtime voice of the Colorado State Rams now. He played baseball for my dad way back in the day. Gave me a shot uh, at an internship there, and it kind of just took off. I think I was, I've always been a go-getter. I was really big into internships and, um, you know, picking people's brains, trying to find mentors. And 
watching the greats. I mean, I watched Drew Goodman called Denver Nuggets games since I was a kid. So you're not old um, enough. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, I think, you know, when I really think back on it, I think Colorado gave me such, um, such a great foundation for wanting to do this. There were just so many great voices and people telling stories on the sports landscape. Um, but also like people that were really willing to help, which I think is, is really important when I look back. Marsha Neville and I have something in common. Do you know what that is? And I love, I love Marsha. I know she's so great. I'm I'm gonna guess you guys went to like the same high school or were born in the same town or something. Do you want to know what you were? You were very very close. Marsh and I both are Ithaca College alum. And so is Mark Stout. And so is Mark Stout. Look at the three of you! What a trio! And you know who else went to uh, Ithaca? Who else? Tom Green. Oh yeah, I did know that. Look at that. And you know who you know, and we're doing this Ithaca College, and you know who else is a bomber? Kyle Clark. I did know that. Yes, yes, that's great. See, see what Ithaca yeah. College has provided the state of Colorado. I know there's, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast, and, and they're going to call up and see if they'll take all of us back, right? Or at least leave me. Ship them out. Yeah, get them out of here. More with my partner, Jenny Kavnar, in a moment. But first, this from uh, a longtime sponsor, Ideal Home Loans. They have an E-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. How do you get that? You have to be damn good to get that over a long period of time. And that's what they have been doing. And uh, they've been doing it for 20 years. So many folks have been taken care of. I've been one. I've sent a number of people to Brent Ivinson's team through the years. And they come back very, very pleased with the service they receive. So if you're in the market for... A mortgage, if you're in the market to refinance, if you're consolidating debt, give them a call at 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. Ideal home loans you will be well taken care of. Now back to more with Jenny Kavnar. You mentioned your your dad being a big influence, your dad's mom being a, a big influence. Was baseball always your sport or did you have... You know, interest in, I'm sure you had interest in football and basketball, hockey maybe, but was it always baseball or is it, is it maybe something else? Yeah, you know, I think it's really funny. I get asked that question a lot. And if I really look back, like basketball was my first love. It was the first sport that I really felt an attachment to playing as an athlete. And it was the first sport I really followed in terms of like, you know, again, my relatives being from Kentucky, being a big Kentucky basketball fan, like following those teams religiously through the 90s. Um, and they were pretty good, too. So that helped out a lot. And at the end of the day, I think football was also something that I enjoyed. And once again, back to the representation part, seeing females on television at live sporting events, a lot of that came in the form of being a football sideline reporter. So it was a very specific career goal I had in mind, I think, from the beginning that, like, I want to be a college football sideline reporter or work in the NFL. And it wasn't until I had this job opportunity with the San Diego Padres in 2007 and I went to interview that everything starts to align. And I realized, like, I've grown up in baseball. I know baseball so well. I obviously have a deep passion for baseball. Um, but growing up here, obviously not getting the Rockies till 93, 
regional sports television was very different than it is now. When I was in high school, there weren't really sideline reporters around. There wasn't a big female presence around the game of baseball. So it wasn't until that interview that I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is what I was made to do. <laughs> this is my natural sport, so to speak, and um, felt really lucky for that opportunity. Has it been hard at all for you? You were in San Diego professionally, and then and you come back to Denver, and you're going to be heavily involved in Rockies coverage. You were, you know, grew up a Rockies fan. Was it tough journalistically to separate and again, it's not like we're not columnists. I think most people who are sharp enough understand, you know, we're not going to throw the gauntlet down. It's We are folks that narrate a season and we're going to try to be honest, um, but there's a limit probably to, you know, how far we'll go. I think everybody understands that. That is the, the case throughout regional television of folks who cover a team on a day-to-day basis. But my question is, you know, you're a fan of the Rockies. You grew up with the Rockies. Now, all of a sudden, you are part of their their broadcast team and good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, you know, I think what's cool about that, Drew, is that those years in San Diego kind of gave me that separation a little bit. Um, like you said, when you cover a team every day, it's not that you're necessarily a fan of that team, but I think all of us as broadcasters are fans of good stories, right? You you root for players that are good people or that, you know, are kind of the underdogs in a way. I think that's a natural tendency. So I think for me, having that time and my first year being 2007 when the Rockies were on a huge run in September and ended up playing the Padres in game 163. I know I've told you this story before, but I was in in our studio um, in San Diego watching this game unfold in Colorado. And internally, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the Rockies, like, have a chance to go to the playoffs. And they've been playing so magical. And, like, you're kind of rooting as a fan. And then on the outside, I'm like this professional covering the Padres and thinking, like, how cool would that be? My first season with the team and I get to cover the playoffs and all of these things. And, you know, obviously the Rockies win that game and go on to make it to the World Series. And it was such a neat moment to be on the other side professionally. And I said in my mind, I didn't say it out loud, but I said in my mind, oh, that's okay. I'll be back to cover the playoffs. Well, you know exactly when I went back to cover the playoffs. It took another 10 years till I covered a team that made it to the postseason because the next four years for the Padres um, were not as good or they barely missed making it. And um, all of a sudden, it wasn't until the 2017 Rockies when uh, we got to experience some postseason action again. Do you still keep an attachment to San Diego? Clearly there. Uh, you know, everybody's darling right now with all the moves they've made and with some tremendous young players led by Fernando Tatis. Uh, is it uh, is it still kind of part of, you know, who you root for a little bit from afar? Yeah, no, I think what's interesting, and I guess I didn't necessarily get to this in your last question, but I think coming back to Colorado, what I love is the roots that I have here. Like, I am able to draw on experiences when we – when we talk about the history of the team, I can draw on the experiences I felt as a kid watching the Blake Street Bombers, right? Loving Larry Walker and now getting to professionally interview Larry Walker. Like it's such a neat connection to have to a franchise. And I think I have a little bit of that with San Diego, but the team is so different, right? When I was covering the team from 07 to 2011, like Bud Black was the manager and that's my connection to them. And now he's the manager of the Colorado Rockies. So as you know, and as you've experienced in this game over the decades, 
like relationships are so important and there's so much fun to have and it's fun to follow those people. So I would say the players that were in their prime with the Padres, the players I became close with, I've followed their careers um, for sure. But, you know, looking over there, it's not just like the ownership is different. The front office is different. Um, there's, there's just really no one that I have that personal connection to anymore. But um, San Diego was such a great place in my life personally and professionally that I always have an attachment to it. And I know you guys joke every time um, the Rockies play in San Diego and we're there and you say, Jenny, have you ever been to the city? Because I talk about it all the time. Um, it's, it's a very special place for me, for sure. Yeah, if the weather was a little better, I would enjoy it more as well. Um, <laughs> thanks again to Jenny. We'll have more with Jenny next week because one show was not enough. And we'll delve into some more uh, topics, uh, including an outlook on the 2021 Rockies, which I'm sure you do not want to miss. Jenny was telling that story about her uh, her baby boy, who's three and a half then, and you know how devastated he was that that Nolan, one of his favorite players, uh, was traded. And it reminded me of when my oldest Jacob, who is going to be 23 in a couple of months, was I want to say two or three, probably around around the same age as Vin. And I was calling Denver Nugget games back then. And Jacob's favorite player was Nick Van Exel. And, I mean, he would do this whole thing when we played uh, basketball uh, down in the basement. He would sing the national anthem. He would be Rocky coming out. And every shot he took was Nick Van Exel. He loved Nick Van Exel. And if you remember, Nick made so many big shots. And I, I would say this. Nick could be 0 for 15 in a game. And if the game was on the line... You still wanted him to take the last shot. He had chutzpah. And uh, I, I think, you know, Jacob just gravitated to him. And I would take Jacob to shoot arounds on occasion. And Nick was great with Jacob. I always say you want to really learn what somebody's all about, see how they interact with kids, with children. And Jacob, you know, was loved Nick, and Nick was marvelous with Jacob. And it took me to the day when Nick got traded, and I had to explain, as Jenny did with her young son, I had to explain to Jacob what traded was and that Nick was no longer going to be a Denver Nugget. And he was devastated. I mean, tears flew. And I also remember the first time that uh, Nick came back, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, he was with uh, Dallas the was uh, where he got traded to and he came back into town and I made sure I brought Jacob down uh, so he could see Nick and he and he made a nice uh, drawing on a card and and you know wrote him a nice little message and he gave that to Nick and Nick was really moved by it and Nick took his sneakers off on the court and handed them uh, to Jacob, he autographed them and handed them to Jacob. It's nice to be in the NBA. You have, you know, plenty of backup uh, new shoes at your disposal in the locker room. But I remember that moment, and I was reminded of that when Jenny told the story about Vin uh, and his reaction when she and uh, her husband Steve told Vin that Nolan was traded. That'll do it for the 86th edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. We appreciate uh, you joining us each and every week. Uh, make sure you catch the uh, the good gentleman on DNVR, their nightly podcast, uh, 
And they're kind enough to have me on on a weekly basis. That's uh, Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman. Till next week, we'll have uh, more with Jenny Kavnar, as I mentioned. You all stay well, stay safe. And uh, we'll talk to you more also about spring training because I'm heading down there uh, in a couple of days. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Drew Goodman Podcast. Subscribe at iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. And leave a comment that helps other people find the show.